From Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle or War Eagle? That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Welcome to the Auburn Undercover Roundtable. I am Brandon Marcello, joined by Philip Marshall, Ron Sanders, and Keith Niebuhr. Uh, we're back together again. Uh, of course, basketball season uh, uh, almost over in a lot of ways. There's only like 10 games left, nine games left, and those will zoom by, by quickly. Baseball and softball in town as baseball opens the season and softball opens its home season. Recruiting's already in full swing for 2020. Auburn's already picked up a couple of offensive lineman commitments. We'll talk about that as well. Um, but first off, guys, I wanted to go around the table here and discuss the basketball program. Uh, losers uh, against Ole Miss in a 60-55 to game, a game which I, I did not expect a score like that considering how similar both teams are. But Ole Miss did such a great job uh, defensively and then also offensively with its game plan of just kind of running the shot clock down, making some extra passes, and they hit some tough shots uh, late in the shot clock. And Auburn was within striking distance all night. Auburn just could not uh, take the lead uh, for whatever reason. And Jared Harper and Bryce Brown, they were pretty much shut down. And as a result, Auburn loses and, uh, and not necessarily a, you know, I was talking about this last night with some people. I don't think there's anything called a must win or can't lose game unless you're actually, you know, in elimination and it's their last game of the season. But it's not a great, um, you know, loss for Auburn. They need they need to win these home games going down the stretch. But, Philip, I'll start with you. What do you make of this basketball team at this point? They just – it's been it's been quite the roller coaster. Yeah, I, I, it's it's hard to say, and that was, you know, it was a very strange game to watch last night because, uh, I, like I said, I thought Kermit Davis and Ole Miss had a tremendous plan, so I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what. I'm not sure they would have expected to. I don't know how many three pointers they hit as as the shot clock was running out, but it was a lot of them. Uh, and uh, that, but it, it worked very well. Auburn did not respond well to it. Jared Harper didn't respond well to it. They they completely took Bryce out of the game as far as being a three point shooter. And uh, uh, this, this is, uh, you know, the one thing I, I took I noticed though was that between Austin Wiley and 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 uh, Anthony McLemore, they had one point. And uh, Chumo Kigi was great. But Auburn's got to be able to spread it out, spread it around more than that, and uh, because there are going to be times when people are either able to take your shooters away, or they're just not hitting. That's going to happen to everybody. It happens to Duke. It happens to everybody. And uh, they didn't respond to it very well. And now I, I agree with you. It was not a. It's not a like a season-ending loss, but uh, but they're getting themselves in a position where uh, where they're going to be more on the bubble than than in the field. Uh, if they lose any more, they shouldn't lose, for sure. I wrote about this earlier in the week. It, you know, it just seems like time is running out on Austin Wiley and Auburn kind of meeting in the middle where Austin's playing at his best and Auburn's able to utilize that. 
And, uh, you know, it's just been kind of frustrating to watch, I guess, if you're an Auburn fan, and definitely frustrating for Austin Wiley, as Bruce Pearl said. Um, and, you know, these games coming up, as I said, I don't think there's anything as a can't-lose situation, but you go to Vanderbilt, which is, what, 0-11 in the SEC this Saturday? That's pretty close to, that's pretty close yeah. to one. <laughs> yeah, if you lose that game, oh, man. And here's the thing, Vanderbilt was – Played number one Tennessee pretty close earlier this season. Had a chance to win it. Overtime, um, yeah. So you cannot uh, sleep over them. And 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 I just um, I think this this team is missing for Auburn a couple of things to be in contention in the top half of the SEC this season. Um, I don't know quite what it is. I think one of it is just there needs to be a presence inside, and there isn't. Anthony McLemore is not the same player he was before the. Ankle injury he suffered a year ago, this past last February, um, and as you said, I thought that was a huge point last night that was missed by some people. Is that Austin Wiley and Anthony Mclemore between the both of them? One point, Anthony Mclemore was on the court I think for 17 minutes, didn't score at all, um, didn't really have an effect in the rebounding, blocks, anything like that. And Ole Miss really just negated a lot of players in that game. And by the time Auburn kind of figured out or, or Chuma figured out that he was the main scoring threat, it was the second half. And by that time, Ole Miss was in control of the tempo. And as long as they controlled the tempo, they controlled the game. And, and not once uh, did Auburn seem like it was getting into a rhythm of controlling that game, it seemed like. It, it was amazing how Ole Miss took Auburn completely out of out of its own rhythm. I, I'm just, you know, I, I just follow it from afar, not day-to-day like you and Phillip. But, gosh, you know, I'm looking at that schedule, Brandon. You pointed it out. There, there's, you know, you'd think Vanderbilt would be a gimme, but that's such a fluky place to play. And there, some schools just historically just don't do well there. Uh, and then after that, you get six games, Arkansas home at Kentucky at Georgia. You know, Georgia's got a terrible record, but you know, they there's been moments where they've played okay. Mississippi State at home, well, they're pretty good. Alabama on the road, Tennessee at home. I mean, there aren't many gimmies in there, you know what I mean? And that that's pretty concerning, especially, you know, for this team. And and somebody mentioned on our message board uh, the night before we recorded, and they said, you know, this season's been so many had so many peaks and valleys, but it seems like there's been more valleys than peaks. Uh, the Alabama win was great a few weeks ago, but other than that, there just aren't too many wins to hang their hat on. I mean, Washington's turning out to be a very good-looking win, and you know, Murray State's really, really doggone good, too. But it's just – I think we all just expected – and again, you guys, I'm just the recruiting person. I like watching the games as a fan. But I, I just it, – something's missing, and it, and I can't put my finger on it either. I don't, I don't know if you guys can, but I sure as heck can't. Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree with Keith. It's just something is – Something's just not clicking the way that it did last year. Um, a little bit like the football program this past year. Yeah, and you, one can argue that it's been pretty similar. Both teams ranked in the top ten at one point uh, in the season, and they they've both have both obviously have fallen completely out of the top twenty five. And and it's it's funny that you know Bruce Pearl tends to forget he has selective memory sometimes, but he was talking so much about rankings and the net rankings that the NCAA utilizes for the NCAA tournament committee and all this stuff. And when Auburn fell out of the poll, it was 26 in the nation at the time. And he was saying, well, if you really look at it, we're 26. We're still in the poll, even though it's only a top 25. And he was breaking down their resume and all this stuff. 
And then this past week he says, oh, I, I, you know, I'm not the type of guy that ever looks at rankings. It's like you just spent a whole press conference two weeks ago talking about it. Um, he pays attention to it, and I think he knows. He's saying, hey, we're not hitting the panic button yet, you know, all this stuff. But uh, they will certainly be hitting the panic button if they, they lose to Vanderbilt this weekend. Uh, that would be, oh, my goodness, that would be terrible. Um, Honey, you're just you're just thinking, Brandon, with these guards. I know I cut you off. I thought you were done, and I, I launched into it. I apologize, but you guys cover these teams every year. You, I don't know how many tournament teams you've covered, Brandon and Philip, but they they almost all. I, mean, I guess it's the dynamics changed a little bit these days with so many young guys playing. But look at Auburn's veteran guards, two really good guards, and and I guess to me that's maybe the most surprising thing that a team with two guys that we know are extremely talented in the backcourt, you know, the key spots. Is struggling like it is. I don't know. Didn't, didn't mean to interrupt you there, Brandon. No, and you're exactly right. And that's the thing. Auburn's got to figure out a way uh, to get someone going outside of Jarrett Harper and Bryce Brown. Chumo Kiki got it done last night, but he was the only player. They've got to have – got to have two, three guys that are able to, to score throughout a game um, uh, to have a chance. And it's just – it's very strange watching this team. You know, last season I I thought that Deshaun Murray was in a lot of ways helped them defensively. Mustafa Heron I thought was a little bit overrated, but I think they certainly could use him right now um, considering how – it's just strange how everything seems to be going this season. I, I can't quite explain it. And the thing that I, I think more than anything is that Auburn's got to find a way to get um, uh, a third score going, where Stangel Purifoy or or even Chumo Kiki more consistently. Maybe they start focusing on the offense on Chumo Kiki and start allowing him to create more, like he was doing last night, and like kind of work work the offense through him. I thought another thing that was interesting. It was partially, well, mostly to do with with uh, with with Ole Miss's defense is that they did such a great job of pushing Auburn off the uh, off of the uh, uh, three-point line that Auburn was unable to get any three-point shots up. I mean, they were just completely uh, obliterating Auburn off of the uh, off the three-point line, and that's why Auburn only attempted seven three-point shots in the first half. And I was thinking, wow, the, Auburn kind of got away from their game plan, but that was because, you know, listen. Um, <laughs> Ole Miss's defense was doing that, so it was it was quite the thing to watch. This team's averaging eighty three points a game. I, you know, I, it, I, it's I think it's uh, it's it's nature to talk about what you need to do on offense, but it's hard to imagine that averaging much more than that. And uh, uh, it's like turnovers have suddenly become a problem. Uh, rebounding is always going to be something of a problem. It's just like they come to a point where they're just whatever they need to do to win, they're not doing it, and uh, on either side and uh, either end. I mean, they had Kentucky the the, the basket to beat Kentucky's halfway down. Uh, the Chumo Kiki has a wide open, c- completely uncontested three to beat South Carolina. He didn't make it. I mean, uh, Bryce Brown probably should have been shooting three free throws to send the LSU game to overtime. So you know. They obviously are not very far from being in a lot better place than they are. Can they get there? I don't know. 
I think this team could easily, as you said, I think they could easily be eight and three uh, right now, considering the way the games have have transpired. You mentioned the Kentucky game, obviously. Uh, LSU. I think I think there was two fouls that were missed at the end of the LSU game. One on Bryce Brown, and then that final one on on Jared Harper. Um, Jared Harper one was pretty difficult just because the guy was straight up, but still it was a foul. Um, but it wasn't called, and uh, refs usually swallow their whistles, usually late in those games. But it's interesting, um, LSU's been the benefactor of some uh, yeah. refereeing late in games uh, against Auburn, and then the very next game at L- at excuse me Kentucky, which is crazy to consider, um, on what may have been an offensive goaltending. They could not review it. They could only review, um, you know, uh, timing and all that but uh certainly a call that uh went against kentucky at kentucky and lsu got it out of there with the victory against number five the number five wildcats and all of a sudden goodness gracious uh lsu is right behind tennessee in the sec race um uh, this is a very talented league philip wouldn't you agree i mean it's, it's it's incredible how much better some teams have gotten absolutely and you look at tennessee and they're undefeated in the conference, but they still got to play Kentucky twice. Uh, they've got to play Mississippi State, I believe, at home. They play at Auburn. I mean, they they've still got they've still got a lot of work to do. And and, and it is other than Vanderbilt in Georgia, <clears throat> there's really nobody nobody to. Uh, there's just not there's not an easy 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 place to go in the league. And I'm not saying they're easy. I mean, but their record. Or what they are, and uh, so yeah, but I think Vanderbilt. You know, they 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 took Tennessee to to overtime. They were down fifteen against Alabama and cut it to five in the last minute or two. They had Florida on the ropes last night for or Wednesday night for a lot of the for a lot of the game. So, uh, and Auburn has never played well there. So I I would not discount that game Wednesday night. Let's go around the table here, and I'll start with Philip, and we'll go to Ronnie, and then Keith. Does this team make the NCAA tournament? How do they finish the season? Uh, I say yes. They finish the season uh, ten and eight. Yeah, I um, I would have to agree with Philip. I think they're going to make it, but uh, yeah, I think they're going to be on the bubble. I think it'll be really close. Might end up being an NIT yeah. year. I'm sort of on the fence. I, I mean, maybe 60-40. I'm leaning toward the tournament. I I think they beat Vanderbilt, but like Arkansas at home concerns me georgia on the road concerns me uh, you know auburn hasn't played great on the road uh, and then those last three games mississippi state at home at bama tennessee and then you know what happens to your seating i mean what where are you going to be seated in the in the sc tournament so I, I think yeah but but it could be close i think that that not i don't think there's a lot of teams that can, can do two of what Ole miss did i mean you you can't just suddenly decide to do that one day Arkansas doesn't play that way. Ole Miss, uh, Mississippi State doesn't play that way. Alabama doesn't play that way. And uh, I guess I disagree. Uh, Georgia, I, from the, from the little I've seen of Georgia and Vanderbilt, I, I think I think Georgia. If I was ranking the SEC, I'd rank Georgia 14. If uh, I think that's obviously yeah, you can't lose to Vanderbilt and Georgia. If you do that, you're putting yourself in real danger and not getting in. I don't think Tom Crean's helped himself with his comments about his own team in the last no. week. No. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think Auburn's going to make the tournament, but I think it's they're going to barely do so. I think they're going to be on the bubble here uh, in the next couple of weeks. 
They can't afford some some bad losses, of course. Um, but they got they got to win these home games. And you know, listen, you have to go to Kentucky. That's likely a loss. Hosting Tennessee at the in the regular season finale. Tennessee looks unstoppable right now. But as Philip pointed out, they still. The, the tough part of their schedule is still still to come up, Tennessee. So that's going to be interesting to watch down the stretch with everything. Um, Philip, you have written a lot recently and over the last couple of years, or maybe even longer than that, about Auburn facilities. And you and I had a conversation about this back on signing day, actually, off of off the podcast about facilities. And not just football. We're talking about the football-only complex that a lot of people have been discussing but Auburn is falling behind uh, in a lot of sports with its facilities, and there really hasn't been any talk about it. There's been talk about it behind the scenes, and potentially there being some plans put in, that are in motion. But uh, nothing's happened yet. And Philip, you've been writing quite a bit about it. I guess tell us a little bit about your thoughts on uh, Auburn's facilities and what needs to happen, and what you believe is going to happen here in the future. Well, I, I think that uh, you know the the the, the one that everybody talks about and thinks about and is is the football only facility, which clearly needs to happen. They're they're probably about twelfth in the league, maybe in that in that respect. And once you do that, I think football would be in a pretty good place, facilities wise. For now, I mean, you better still be planning for the future because it it changes all the time. But uh, in in the other sports. I mean, I'll, I'll just start with baseball. Franklin Park's a very nice place to go to a game. I mean, there's nothing at all wrong with the with the playing area at Franklin Park. The player development things and player amenities are uh, they're not there uh, now. They're going to get some things that supposedly uh, that they're going to start after the season, but it's still not going to be what's going to get you anywhere close to uh, to where most the teams you're supposed to be to, to compete are. And uh, same thing as softball, same. Just go down the list. Uh, the, the the one place that probably doesn't have any real complaints right now is basketball uh, because of that, that arena. But uh, uh, I just think that, that the player amenities and, and more importantly, player development is just crucial in all these sports. And, uh, and plus just the, the – I mean – Softball stadiums and soccer stadiums around the league. I mean, other other places are they take those things seriously. And and if you want to compete long term, uh, then you better take them seriously too. And there it is to this point, not much sign Auburn does, and uh, take those things very seriously. And I think there's a, a tendency to think that well, Auburn's such a great place, everybody wants to come here or should want to come there, and that's just not the case. And uh, it, it's going to catch up with them sooner or later if there's not at least some kind of plan put in place. And, to, and uh, now, Alan Green told the uh, tip-off club, uh, someone asked him about facilities, and he said there would be a master plan sometime this summer. I think he said August, but sometime this summer. And if that's the case, it'll be interesting to see what it is. And here's the thing. Master plans can be put in place, and then nothing ever happens with them. Now, I would well, think – yeah. Yeah, exactly, Philip. And it's happened before here. Um do, do you think it's a, a money issue for Auburn or do you think it's just uh getting everybody on the same page type of issue? Well, I think it's both. I think you know, you need uh 
I, I was when when Alabama did their their major renovation with their facility, their major facilities overhaul, because they were really bad too uh, in the early two thousands, and uh, I think they want I want to say it was like one hundred twenty million dollars they they spent redoing their facilities. And Mal Moore, who I had known since I was very young, uh, I was visiting with him, and I said. How much of it did you raise? And he said, "Well, we raised about half of it, and we did a bond issue for about half of it." You, if you're going to do these things, are terribly expensive. If you're not willing to, one, you need you need people who will who will step up and uh and help. But two, you got, you have to be willing to do what it takes. If it means borrowing the money, then that's what a lot of these places do. And if you're not willing to do that, that's understandable. But then understand what the consequences are. Because you're not going to do more with these days. You're not going to do more with less. Auburn will always be a threat to have a good season, but if you want to have a a, a dominant program, you're not going to do more with less. It's not going to happen. I agree with that. And you know, kind of as, a, as an outsider coming into Auburn six years ago, I was amazed at, at you know at the facilities and how Auburn has been so successful. Not necessarily consistently year to year, because we all we've all talked about that football wise, but in 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 all sports, specifically here of late, it seems like every sport has had its moments. And despite and in spite of not having great facilities, you know Auburn's Auburn's football program deserves better. Doesn't it doesn't matter who the coach is, yeah. and it I I think and I think I mean it's incredible to think and just hypothetically where Auburn could be five, ten years from now. And when people talk about ten years from now, everybody thinks, oh, that's so far away. Well, guess what? Auburn won a national championship nine years ago. Um, right. It's really not that far away. you got to start making plans and doing things so you could set up the, the future of the program. Look at Clemson and what they've done. Yep. Um, it's amazing. And it's not, it's not all facilities, obviously. It's a great coach and Dabo Sweeney and a vision – but they have a vision there. The Auburn's got to have that. Thing. Yeah, the vision is the big thing. And and look, maybe maybe Alan Green has a vision. Uh, he hasn't communicated it if he does, and if he can put and if he can get it done. But but there has has to be uh, a willingness to to uh, to do what you, as it's been said. Being for where you want to be, not for not for where you are. And uh, Auburn, but, but just by sheer sheer geography and history, and and the the players available in Auburn's recruiting footprint, Auburn's always going to have it. As we said, the possibility of, of having a great year. But when you're talking about, do you want to compete every year? Then you better keep up with the competition and. Whatever the sport, for the most part, uh, they're not doing that right now. And yeah. I don't know if, if people that need to understand that well understand it well enough. I don't know. Well, if you look at you know Philip, if you you know, and Philip could talk to this more than I could, but um, you know, if you look back in the eighties when when Auburn built the new facility they're still in right now, um, won three straight conference championships, and everybody was on the same page, pulling in the same direction, and. Football had great facilities, and and uh, you know if you look at since then, it's been inconsistent. Uh, no matter who the coach is, have a great year, have a terrible year, have a great year, have an have an average year. So it's kind of been that way for the last you know thirty years. 
Well, it has. It has. And, uh, and you know, Gus Malzahn's been, been, been here, and he had, he had a great year his first year. Now, if I was going to criticize him for anything to do with facilities, he should have jumped all over it right then. And uh, and he was actually at that point asked about a football only complex, and he didn't seem to think it was it was a uh, that high a priority. Well, he certainly has changed since then. But he uh, was strongly he was not to interrupt you, Philip. But I mean, if you remember, he was he was strongly encouraged uh, to go get that done by yeah. a number of coaches on the staff, uh, yeah, including was. Ellis Johnson, Rodney Garner, and and some others. Coach, you know, go go get this done because we really need it. And he didn't see. And anything. he probably could, and I believe he could have gotten it done at that point. Uh, Absolutely. But uh, uh, but as Brandon said, this facility stuff shouldn't have anything to do with who the coach is. I mean, if if you approved the football facility today, it'd be what two, two and a half, three years before it was actually open. Who knows who the coach would be or what would be going on? It's for the program, not for the coach. And uh, but it just to be that look the. The board of trustees, the president, those two entities mostly, they have got to decide if it's worth it to them. Do they want to do it? Do they want to compete on an annual basis for championships? If they do, they're going to have to they're they're going to have to change their way of thinking. Otherwise, it'll be like it's been, and Auburn athletics will still be successful, but it won't be it won't be successful on the level that people. Want it to be successful, especially in this era of the playoff and, and those kinds of things. I've I've never been good with money. I don't understand fiscal responsibility. But when's the last time a uh, SEC program went bankrupt because they said, "Hey, let's go build something"? Exactly. I, I don't I don't understand the hesitance to the pinch every penny. I mean, they're pinching pennies over there, and just slowly saying, yeah, we're going to get this done, but then it doesn't get done. There's been master plans in the past. There's been surveys sent out. There's been drawings drawn up about a football stadium uh, uh, renovation and never got off the ground. They spent hundreds of thousands of dollars just talking about it. Uh, Just freaking do it, man. You're not going to go bankrupt. It's going to pay for itself at some point. That's just how football works. And sports work i mean football is the money is the money and so if you want to go spend money on helping baseball if you want to go spend money helping track which desperately needs it or or softball for that matter which they've been talking about for the last several years uh, just go do it you're gonna pay for it in the long run it's gonna get off the books at some point i don't understand this hesitant it's almost like they just feel like oh if we spend all this money then we're not going to be able to do so. What if something bad happens? We have to do it. Well, th- that's not how athletics work. It's just not. It isn't like you get a, it isn't like athletics gets a flat tire and then they got to go find $400, you know, you know, out of their bank account somehow. It's just, I don't understand Auburn's thinking on it over the years. And, uh, but that's just, that's just my viewpoint. Maybe it'll change here with Alan Green, but. In my opinion, a year into his tenure, we should have heard something by now. And if we don't hear something by August, I'm really going to be scratching my head, Philip. Here's the thing. Right now, forget about Alabama and Georgia. Texas A&M, Texas A&M, Florida, Tennessee, LSU, those places are committed and doing what it takes. And if Auburn just sits here and does nothing, they're going to look up one day and they're going to be just sitting there with Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And, uh, 
and I'm not even sure that, that I think they're they they're doing more than Auburn is. I mean, and Florida just just broke ground yesterday on a 65 $65 million dollar baseball stadium, and uh, and they're and they got and, and as soon as the that's done, they're going to tear down the current baseball stadium and, and build a football complex. Scott Strickland is a visionary guy, and and he he will get stuff done, and that's what. I don't know what is holding Alan Green up. I have no idea. Maybe people don't want to donate money right now. Maybe it's yeah. the president. Maybe it's the board. I don't know. And you speak about Strickland being a visionary. He's he's the one who got what happened at Mississippi State done, and now he's doing that at Florida. Right. And he's done it quickly. Uh, I would venture to say, maybe I'll catch flack for this, but I've, I've been around it. While Mississippi State doesn't have the size or the seating and – Definitely not the same size of a fan base as Auburn. I would say that Mississippi State has better football facilities and better baseball facilities by far than Auburn. Uh, Mississippi State has a football complex that is state-of-the-art and has been there for three or four, or longer than that, actually, I guess six years, and it's phenomenal. I've been inside of it. It's great. It's tucked away from everything. It's right near the practice fields. Literally, the coach can walk out of his office onto the practice field. Um, it's fantastic. And they renovated their stadium. It looks very nice. It's very loud in there. Now, the concourses aren't fantastic, but neither is Auburn's. Auburn hasn't done anything to its stadium in the longest time. And they definitely don't have a football-only complex. So I would say right now, Auburn is behind a program like Mississippi State when it comes to football facilities. And... That is just in my. That is just unacceptable. They have to fix that now. Yeah, and yeah, that's it. What? What would they be ahead in basketball arena and what else? I mean, that's there, that's all I can think of. Yeah, because because there's no. I mean, you just look at esports. The track they don't even have any place to practice indoor track. They they have to go in the in beardies and and run around the concourse at beardies. Uh, they uh, they don't have grandstands at the at, at the track. They uh, soccer has the same. They got the bleachers that, that were at Plainsman Park when they when they uh, the old Plainsman Park before they redid it in 1997, and they've been there forever. So I don't know how old they are. I don't think I don't do they have even concession stands or anything. I don't I don't I'm not sure that they do. Uh, softball looks like a kind of like a uh, Lego thing right now with uh, and they don't have they've got soccer and, and softball got very few uh, player amenities player development areas I mean softball got got some batting cages they, now they're going to get some, some kind of indoor new batting cages I think maybe an infield too they're going to get something too but but they really need the new stadium but uh, definitely uh, when you compare it when you compare it to LSU and Alabama and both places. I mean, with, all, with all due respect, how hard is it to put up a structure at the track? I, I don't get that. That just, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can put up a concrete structure. It doesn't have to be glamorous, but the, the football stadium, you know, which is a great stadium, incredible atmosphere. And one of the cooler things about Jordan here stadium is, and you guys have the benefit of the uh, same benefit I've had. We've been to every stadium in the SEC, basically that when you drive into campus, Man, you see that stadium. It, you see it. It sticks out. It's the 
it's the centerpiece of the whole campus. And that's one of the cooler things about Jordan Air. And yet the last two upgrades were just these little band-aid type things, the stadium scoreboard, and then this recruiting center, which quite frankly, if they would have just waited another year or two on, uh, could have probably for double the money done the whole end zone. And, uh, so it just seems like it's, you know, as again, I'm like Brandon, I didn't go to Auburn. I came in six, seven years ago. Um, and it just seems like that all the upgrades I've seen guys, Philip, especially you, uh, are just, just band-aids. I mean, that's not, I mean, they should be, Ace Bandage should be the sponsor of the, the, the athletic program. I mean, it's <laughs> nothing really, nothing really that's, uh, well, here, here's the thing about the thing in the end zone. And the, the two things that the scoreboard and the recruiting thing are both in the same end zone. And, and maybe in five years, Auburn says, well, what's going to be funny is if part of that master plan, they say, yeah, we're going to do something to one of the end zones. Well, you've already just, I mean, what are you going to do? Tear down the stuff you just built? You're going to go to the other end zone? I mean, that could have all, all been done at once, okay? Yeah, the north end zone is where the that's where the focus has always been on doing something. Uh, I, but, but here's the thing. I, I look, uh, since, since Dye left and – you know, Di got a lot done. He got the stadium enlarged. He got the football complex built. He got pretty much what he wanted. And at the time, Auburn's facilities were great compared to everybody. Well, everybody else moved on, and uh, that, that's what happens. And uh, uh, Auburn Stadium, that is a great atmosphere at Auburn Stadium. But it, you, you don't walk in there if you're a recruit and say, wow, look at this. I mean, uh, uh but to me, bigger than the, you know, they're renovating the suites this year. Well, that doesn't, you know, that's good for the people who, who pay for suites, but who else cares? Uh, it's, uh, it's just been a lack of vision and a lack of understanding, I think, I'm, of, of, of what the situation is. And, uh, you know, this athletic department took, has taken in $150 million each of the last two years. It's just, I'm, I'm like you, Brandon. I'm certainly no financial expert, but uh, uh, but it's just hard for me to see how you can't sit down and say, here's what we need to do. Let's figure out how we're going to do it. If you can do it, if Scott Strickland could do it at Mississippi State, exactly, you could do it at Auburn. I mean, he not only got that football facility, renovated that entire stadium and expanded it, he also tore down the softball field, tore tore down their tennis complex, com- built a new uh, uh, tennis and combined softball facility where it's this just monstrosity really on campus for it's a brand-new softball stadium that's connected to the tennis facility and there's practice facilities and offices and everything. It's like its own complex. He got that done too. Mississippi State found the money. Why can't Auburn do it and do it so much better too? Auburn's got more money than Mississippi State, and and that was the biggest thing to me when I when I covered Mississippi State and then came here and I've been through this for the last six years. I'm going, how in the hell is this happening with Auburn? Why is nothing happening? It is. It boggles my mind. It's almost like it's like some, someone's not telling us something, and I don't. Th- it's not that. It's just no one. There's just not that vision. No, and yeah, it's, uh, if, you, if you look at if you look at Florida and what and what uh, Scott Strickland's doing there. I mean, Jeremy Foley cared nothing about facilities, uh, certainly football facilities. And you look at what's going on down there now. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive what they're planning on doing. 
Scott Strickland, who is a former Auburn media relations guy. Yeah, did baseball, yeah, didn't I was he? There with him. Yes, he did baseball. He did. Great guy. Really, oh, he's really fantastic. Good. Fantastic. Good guy. Man. Great family. Uh, uh, we still talk. We've, we've talked. We've talked. I think two or three times a year, probably since he's been gone. And uh, uh, really good guy, and, and extremely extraordinarily bright. I always kind of thought if if Jay Jacobs stepped aside a little bit sooner yep. and that Florida job, he didn't leave for Florida job, that Strickland would be a perfect fit here at Auburn. Uh, he would have it, and, 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 and he loved it here. He loved it. That's, that's, the, that's the thing about this. Most people who come here love it here, love living in Auburn. And uh, uh, that's uh, they've got a lot going for them, but they are – Somebody's going to have to have some vision. That's the best way I can put it. Okay, I think we've I think we've beaten this to death. Get <laughs> yeah, get something. I mean, we we've done so much right now. I think we've built half of a football complex just in <laughs> our discussions. <laughs> but let's move on. Something needs to happen. But um, let's move on to football recruiting here quickly. Hey, hey, Keith, two offensive lineman commits for the twenty twenty class. One in which happened the day after National Signing Day, Gus Malzahn said, hey, we're probably going to sign the most offensive line we've ever signed here, maybe seven, maybe even eight. Uh, seems like they're really uh, following through, at least early here. Yeah, you had the big scoop the other day, Jonathan Buskey, 6'7", 320-pound, Mobile, Alabama native from Coffeeville Community College, playing right tackle at Coffeeville, obviously one of the more well-known junior college programs in the country. Guy's film is excellent, and his rating is probably going to go up. Big guy, you know, uh, I talked to people on the field at the Alabama and Georgia games this year, and they just noticed that the, the Auburn offensive line was just not the same size as the Georgia and Alabama lines. Just, you could tell. You could, you could really tell, and a lot of people mentioned that to me. Well, this guy is, is that big, okay? He's Prince Tega, big if not bigger. So that's uh, going to bulk them up in size a little bit, hopefully for Auburn. You know, I think he's going to be a mid-year guy get him into spring practice next year. He can compete for a starting job. So that's a really good start. they got to have tackles. Uh, the other guy they have committed is a four-star kid from South Georgia. Uh, again, an area that you think Auburn should probably do better in. Now, some years there's more talent than others. But this is a second offensive line guy now for Auburn in South Georgia if, in the last couple of weeks, if you include Kamar Bell, who just signed with Auburn. And this kid's 6'4", in that range, 280 pounds, a really physical kind of you know, kind of that workmanlike offensive lineman that has thrived at Auburn so so well, you know, in recent years or maybe historically. Uh, good work ethic, strong, tough, nasty, physical. You watch his video; he's just pushing kids into the dirt every play, which is what you want to see. You, if a guy's going to be good enough to go to Auburn, you think, well, he got to be dominating guys in high school, and some of these guys don't do that. It's all projection. Well, this guy's already already pushing guys around so yeah definitely a good start i still think brandon they're they're gonna not going to i think they already are exploring the transfer market not the grad transfer market on the offensive line because you don't really need guys to play next year you need them for 2020 but the transfer market there's some guys out there you could see auburn take a look at uh, landon dickerson is leaving fsu uh he's a guards uh, a guard yeah he's played tackle but he's really a guard uh and he was a guy that was strongly considered auburn uh, back in high school when jb grimes was recruiting him uh, Tony Gray, uh, you know, who's from Georgia, he's leaving the school that he was at. So th those are names to maybe watch. But look, they're off to a good start. It's been a struggle to get guys uh, committed and signed the last couple of years. And he go, J.B. Grimes, 
finished fairly strong by getting Kamar Bell a couple weeks ago on signing day, and now already has two guys uh, committed early for for 2020. So I, I think, look, there, it's an it's a high level program, a big name program, and these recruits are saying, man, they they could be losing all five starters, man. I mean, I I, I could start year one, and that is more appealing to recruit these days than probably just about anything. Yeah, they're definitely making some moves. <clears throat> I'll be interested to see uh, what they do on the transfer market. As you said, I think we all agree with that. They're going to look for guys that are not grad transfers, people they could come in, sit out a season, and be ready to go in 2020. Um, you never know who comes open. Uh, and, you know, they got Casey Dunn one year. Obviously, he came in immediately. Those are grad transfers. Uh, uh, Jack Driscoll, of course, who's now a starter at right tackle, grad transfer. You just never know who's going to to pop up. Yeah. And, well, you and, know, and Brandon, you make a good point about all those guys. You don't know when they're going to pop up. And a lot of them don't pop up until after spring practice. Suppose it's a school like a Georgia tech that's got a new coach and you're going to give it a shot. And then it just doesn't work out. You don't fit the system. Let's say you don't mold, mesh with the new coach. So the transfer portal is probably going to explode late spring. If you think it's full now, wait till late spring when people realize what their station is in life at the current school they're at. Yeah, how do I fit in? How, do I not fit in? Am I going to start? Am I, am I, are they switching positions when my my family thinks I need to be a tackle and they see me as a guard? So uh, that's when we're probably going to start seeing a lot more pop up. Let's move on to the 2019 signing class. Uh, Auburn only added a handful of guys on National Signing Day. It's it's so weird having this early signing period sure. and then the National Signing Day now because National Signing Day is just pretty much like, oh, and here's a few more. Um, and, I mean, it's just weird sitting there in the press conference going, here's five guys. We're used to just talking about everybody down the list of 20-plus players. Auburn finished number 12 in the nation. If you go by – you know, they didn't quite have the quantity, but they had quality, Keith and Phillip. They had some good quality. And if you actually go back to our system at 24-7 Sports, the composite – the average rating of these players is the highest it's been since 1999, at least according to our 24-7 sports composite. There are some really, really good players uh, in this class. And we're not just talking about the five-star guys and Bo Nix and Owen Papo. There, there's some really good quality players in this one, Keith. I mean, who really stands out to you? And, and I'll turn to you, Philip, right after Keith, uh, about guys well, that you think could turn in and, and, and turn up for Auburn. Well, a couple things. Yeah, obviously, one, the quality's high. There is concerns about the offensive line, how they only signed three numbers-wise. Uh, that, that could catch up to you. That's why they're going to sign a big class. But otherwise, not many complaints, to be honest with you. And quite frankly, the guys that, that they signed on the offensive line look like good prospects. But, you know, running back, if, if Auburn's running back you, right? I mean, that's the, the pride position at Auburn. And you've got two really good players coming in, Mark Anthony Richards, who's kind of an every-down back. Who can, you can line him up out wide. You can have him run between the tackles. He can do so many things. He's probably going to be a guy that's a kick returner at some point, too, in his career. 3,000 yards of all-purpose yardage down in Palm Beach County last year. Now, Palm Beach County in Florida isn't as strong as Broward County, which is Fort Lauderdale, or Dade County, which is Miami, but it's pretty good. And he was really probably the best player in that county. Uh, an outstanding pickup. Florida pushed hard, and so did many other schools. And then, you know, you bring him in with DJ Williams, another running back from Florida who really emerged late after a big senior season. And Auburn feels like they got the maybe the steal of the entire class. And I think other people think that too. That this guy, just because he emerged late, you know, he didn't get a ton of attention. Then all of a sudden he blew up. Everybody offered him, uh, got a high ranking at the end. 
And so you put those two guys together. Now, by the way, DJ Williams has played quarterback in high school and he rushed for a lot of yards. There is a little bit of a difference, you know, and I know you guys know this, but you're taking a handoff now instead of just taking a snap and running. So he's got to learn that, that, that half a second differential and different takeoff points and all that. But he's going to be a pretty good player. They're pretty sure that. So you take those two guys and maybe Auburn has arguably the best running back tandem uh, in the entire country for the 2019 class. I think they did really well there. And I'll just give you a couple more guys. I think they got an, an absolute steal uh, at the at cornerback. This guy, Cameron Kelly from the state of Virginia. He can uh, he played quarterback and defensive back in high school. I'm already hearing good things. And, and there's a lot of people that think he's going to be a major contributor uh, in year one. And then, you know, sometimes late additions are guys that are just filler guys. Maybe, you know, you, you struck out on a bunch of guys. Uh, but I think Auburn kind of lucked out with this Octavius Brothers. Now, we'll see. He's a 6'2", 220-pound linebacker, first-team All-State in the state of Florida uh, from Rockledge High School, which is over on the, what they call the Space Coast, not far from where they launched the used to launch the shuttles and all that stuff. This guy's really a, a unique athlete. He, uh, uh, he plays basketball. Not a unique, but he plays basketball. He's a special athlete. But, you know, he was originally committed to UCF, and I think all of you guys would agree when you talk about sheer evaluating who has done a better job in the last few years than UCF? Oh, I mean, they don't fantastic. get their pick. Yeah, they don't get their pick of the litter. They don't. It's, this isn't Auburn, Florida State, Georgia, Alabama. They have to really evaluate and really project. He was committed to them for a while. Once he started getting a little bit more attention, uh, then he kind of backed out of that commitment. But you know, credit to Travis Williams for landing him. So they they've got a lot of, of really good players. I don't think there's any question about that. And then obviously on the defensive line. Uh, you know, Charles Moore, getting him on signing day, and Jaron Handy. And we should address that Charles Moore double-signed with the community college, Jones Community College, and there was some worry among Auburn fans. But we've been told by multiple sources that most people expect him to be a full qualifier. The kind of the scuttlebutt is uh, he may be trying to help some people out, uh, friends maybe. You know, I don't want to get too much into it, <laughs> but I, I think Auburn feels really good about that, that, that he's going to land at Auburn. And, and that was a big pickup. Auburn got three of the top nine players in the state of Mississippi, which is incredible, Brandon. I mean, you, you covered over there. It, it's hard to get guys out of that state. They got three it, of the top yeah. nine, and they're all defensive linemen. I mean, technically, Eric Hall's a buck. But that's a Mississippi lineman. has had some tremendous defensive line prospects come out of that state. Uh, in recent years, Fletcher Cox, he's with the Philadelphia Eagles right now. He's just amazing. Obviously, that class that just left Mississippi State uh, this past year, uh, Ole Miss has had some good guys come through there. That is like a defensive line factory for a state that small. They have a lot of great defensive linemen that come through there, yeah. not just on the FBS level, but also on the lower levels. Yeah, and, and I'll just my last point, and, and you could argue that Auburn got three of the. You know, who, who's going to be the best guys? We don't know. Heck, there's probably going to be a guy that goes to Southern Miss that's maybe as good as any of them. But of the highest rated guys, the guys that are most people project to be the biggest stars, Auburn got three of the five. One of the other in that five was Nathan Pickering, a tackle who went to Mississippi State, and then Byron Young, a tackle who went to Alabama. But again, Auburn got three of the top five linemen in the state of Mississippi. I mean, that, that's that's really unheard of. Uh, and credit to Marcus Woodson for that. And, you know, they may not be done. They're going to try to hit that state hard again this year. I think they're up against the eight ball a little bit more this year. There's some early commitments. So I think their work's cut out. But the number one player in the state of Mississippi, Brandon, for 2020 is a defensive tackle. His name is McKinley Jackson. He's already visited Auburn a bunch, and he's very close with Marcus Woodson. It wouldn't be a shock if Auburn's a factor in his recruitment. 
Philip, what were your thoughts on the uh, 2019 signing class? Definitely not not a lot of a lot of players, but I, I thought they got some really good guys. I mean, yeah. I, I don't follow recruiting too much. As I'm sure, I'm sure you don't, but we've seen tape. We've talked to people. I, my my guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing in the spring is DJ Williams, the running back. What about you, Philip? What, what what did you make? I of this agree class? with you on DJ Williams. I I know uh, Tim Horton thought very 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 highly of him, and and that's to give credit where it's due, and it is the reason he's at Auburn. Uh, uh, but uh, everything I've heard about him is 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 good. I, I really thought Charles Moore uh, uh, signing with Auburn at the last minute was was a big thing. Kevin Steele and Rodney Garner have done a great job of 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 building their roster. They're going to lose a lot of defensive linemen, obviously, after this season with all those guys coming back. But at the same time, they got guys with talent that they really believe in behind them, and he'll and he'll be another one of those. That 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 was the uh, the main ones. Uh, Owen Papo, I think it's, it's interesting that what a big deal that would have been if Owen Papo had gone down to the last day between Auburn and Georgia, uh, as opposed to committing to Auburn early in the process and and, and sticking with it. Uh, I think that. You know, the, it's popular to say, well, Kirby Smart gets everybody he wants and Nick Saban gets everybody he wants and you're not going to get this guy or that guy out of this state. Well, that's not necessarily true. Uh, in fact, it's rarely true. And so I I, I thought Owen Papo was a big deal and maybe a bigger deal than uh, than it was than it was treated, like I said, because it was by the signing day, it was old news. Yeah, well, he was a guy, Keith. We, we, yeah, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go I'm Keith. sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, go ahead, Keith, because I think you were going to say uh, what I thought you were going to say. Well, I, I was just going to say, you know, the funny thing about Owen Papo, when we first started reporting that, hey, listen, guys, because uh, it was kind of a foregone conclusion he was going to go to Georgia. Now, he had at one point was favoring FSU, then it was like Clemson. But by about this time last year, it was all you heard about was Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. And we, when we reported, and, and I'd like to think we were the first, but who knows, but when we reported that, hey, look, Auburn's in this a lot more than people realize uh, we got a lot of blowback, and I think people didn't were non-believing. And as the weeks progressed, and that was about a year ago at this time, as the weeks started progressing, and it and it looked like you know maybe Auburn is in it, and then it was it's real close, and then it was Auburn's got the lead, and then by the last week it was Auburn's got to hold off somebody. And and it's funny how these recruitments they shift every few weeks, and you know by the time he committed on May first, it was last May first. Uh, everybody already was resigned to the fact that it was going to be Auburn. So the shock factor was was kind of out of there, too. It was uh, So that was kind of funny. But, you know, look, Auburn losing, and I know what we're alluding to here is Auburn losing George Pickens on signing day to, to George, the outstanding receiver. I mean, that's going to happen. Uh, it, it was a shame for Auburn that they weren't um, – they didn't find out about it really until the morning of a kid that had been committed for a year and a half. You can debate, debate whether that was the right thing to do and the right way to do it all day long. Uh, it is what it is now, you know, George Pickens, <laughs> Auburn didn't need him in 2019 where they needed him was 2020, 2020 and 2021, 2019. I think Auburn's pretty good at receiver, but by the way, they're still recruiting. And we should point this out. Speaking of grad transfers, LaMichael Petway of Arkansas, uh, the grad transfer receivers got one year left, caught 30 balls for, uh, for the Razorbacks last year. He's got some other visits coming up. I think Oklahoma state and North Carolina, and then he's going to make a decision you know, I think Auburn is serious about him, guys. They, I mean, they had him on campus for an official visit, and then they went and saw him. They went and visited him. So, you know, that could be a guy to watch. And, you know, not getting Pickens and 
the double whammy of losing Darius Slayton means maybe you do want to bring in a one-year guy to bridge that gap. Uh, and maybe LaMichael Petway is going to be the guy. He's got a lot of connections to the state of Alabama, was born there, uh, family's still there. So that that's a recruitment we're going to be tracking. So Auburn might not be done in 2019 just yet. All right, guys, mark your calendars just in. The SEC Football Media Day schedule is out. So exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Auburn is going up on the very last day, July 18th, with Kentucky and Vanderbilt. That's uh, it's a very weird uh, pairing of teams. Well, that, that's 10-win Kentucky, by the way. That's true. I don't know if they're going to win 10 games this year with everything they're losing, but uh, congrats to Mark Stoops on doing that and beating Penn State. Um, but, man. Lost his defensive coordinator today. Oh, that's right. With the Kansas City Chiefs. That's right. Um, so, yeah, Auburn on the very final day. And here's the good news for the media. It's going back to Hoover. Uh, yeah. They're they're not holding it in Atlanta. I didn't go to Atlanta. I, I, the baby boy was uh, coming any any second, so I didn't go. But uncomfortable. Uh, I'll just put it that way. Yeah, that's what I kept hearing. It, it, uh, it wasn't. Uh, it was just different. It just means more, Philip. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so Auburn, July eighteenth, uh, football media day, very final day. Usually Alabama's like around that time because they want all the fans there and everything. Alabama's going the day before on Wednesday. Uh, but uh, Auburn, July 18th, Gus Malzahn, head coach, going with Mark Stoops and Derek Mason. Um, let, let's talk a little baseball and softball. Philip, you're all over it. Baseball opening the season this weekend. Softball suffered a couple of, I guess I would term bad losses and unexpected losses uh, in that tournament down in South Alabama. Uh, last weekend, but they play what six games in four days, or Not something game. like that, um, uh, this weekend. And then, of course, baseball opening up with Davis Daniel uh, returning uh, on the mound, a, a great pitcher. What do you make of both teams, their prospects going into this season, um, and what do you make of uh, softball's opener last week? Well. Baseball, I'll start with baseball, who opens tomorrow night, Friday night against uh, Georgia Southern. Uh, I think they have a real chance. They have, they have, there's been a lot of times at Auburn when you would look at them and say, well, they don't really have a number one SEC. They got good pitchers and they got some number twos, but they don't really have a number one SEC pitcher. Well, this year they got two of those. And, uh, so that's a good place to start. They got a guy who was a terrific closer down the stretch last year, Cody Greenhill. But they got 17 pitchers. That's a that's a bunch for a college baseball team, and uh, 10 of them are left-handers. So that's going to be that's going to be interesting. They got three freshman All-Americans back as position players. Uh, 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 Jared Jared uh, Ed, Edward Edward Julian and Stephen Williams are both. Uh, Potentially big-time players, or were big-time players as freshmen. Will Holland is a preseason All-American shortstop. Uh, so they they got good players. There's no question about it. But they got a lot of new guys playing too. Half their team is new. Uh, is either high school guys, most of them freshmen, or JUCO guys. And uh, so there's a freshman center fielder, freshman second baseman. Uh, Edward Julian is playing third 
base for the first time. He was DH last year. Uh, so they, they're going to have a, they got some new guys out there. So there could be some growing pains in that area, but they got a chance. The league is brutal. I mean, just absolutely brutal. Auburn is in the top, top 20 or right at it in, in just about every poll. And that's either the seventh or eighth best in the SEC. Uh, so it's going to, and they got a lot of tough game, tough series on the road. So we'll see. And they're starting out tough non-conference game. Georgia Southern's good. They go to Central Florida next week, and then they play Cincinnati, who's also good at home. So it's going to be interesting. I think they have a chance if they can can get through the gauntlet of the SEC, and, and uh, uh, they'll have a chance to do what they've almost done the last two years, which is which is get to, get through it all and get to Muhammad. They lost a real heartbreaker at uh, at Florida in the Super Regional Championship game last year. Uh, the year before, they were one pitch away from being in the Super Regional, and uh, <laughs> there's a little frustration there. They've been so close and haven't haven't been able to do it. Softball is just hard for me to say. Michaela Martin's a great pitcher. She's a dominant pitcher. They're going to have a chance to win any game she pitches. Uh, not sure about the other three. Uh, but the big, big question, uh, have they overcome their tendency of last season to not be able to string his together? And uh, and the first weekend was a mixed bag against all teams they really should have beaten. So they hit 11 home runs uh, in those five games. But in the in the middle two games, I don't guess it was the middle. They were they were very they were very efficient on on Friday and very efficient on Sunday and very bad on. Saturday. Uh, so uh, that might uh, Mickey Dean acknowledged that when I talked to him, he said that actually there was a lot of encouraging signs. And uh, uh, yeah, they lost to two teams you wouldn't expect them to lose to, but it's you know it's early. And uh, they play UAB. They played UAB thir- Thursday night, and then they play five more games this weekend. So uh, and they got some good teams here. Texas Tech is, is good. Uh, uh, Mickey Dean says Drake is good, good. so uh, UAB is pretty good. So it should be it should it should be more entertaining maybe than this this tournament coming up sometimes is. Okay, well, any parting thoughts, gentlemen? Uh, no, I'm curious to see how this basketball team finishes. That's that's where my focus is right now. It's a yeah, fascinating I, team. I think that's the thing. It's uh, here's a question. That, that this 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 game this last game in some ways, was the biggest kick in the gut they've had. I mean, yeah, they, they, they had – they were inches away from beating Oak Kentucky, which obviously you want to do. But uh, you just to lose – Ole Miss is good. But if you're really good, you're not supposed to lose to them at home. And uh, and they did. So I think it's, good. it's going to be interesting to see how they come back from that. Are they going to be able to go to Vanderbilt and, and play with a lot of energy? And if they don't – they may get beat again, even even though Vanderbilt's record says that should certainly says that shouldn't happen. Ole Miss was picked last in the SEC, I believe, and here they are potentially if they can win some more games, going to the NCAA tournament. Kermit Kermit Davis is a heck of a coach. Bruce Pearl will tell you that, and he Kermit Davis has kind of been Bruce Pearl's kryptonite. The the record might not show it, but Kermit Davis has done a great job scheming against Bruce Pearl's teams throughout the years and uh especially this year at auburn i mean it, it's uh th- those were you know two losses you just kind of shake your head at and go what happened especially last night but 
We'll see how Auburn responds. As they got, they've got to win Saturday against Vanderbilt. Otherwise, you start going. Is this really an NCAA tournament team? Because you don't, you don't lose at Vanderbilt. You just can't do it. And as you said, Philip, Auburn has struggled at Vanderbilt in the past. It's just something about that weird court and having the coaches at the uh, at the baselines. It's just just strange. So we'll see. We talked a lot today on the Roundtable podcast. Thanks for joining me, guys. Uh, we talked so much. I've been told that Auburn is finished it's football only complex and the stadium <laughs> the stadium has been renovated so we did our job just while talking here i mean it was quick quick turnaround um but we'll, we'll we'll find out more here in the coming months where auburn goes with that plenty to talk about as always here at auburn on the plains thanks for joining us on the auburn undercover roundtable no one has it covered like 24 7 sports Go Undercover with Auburn Undercover.